Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. It's good to see you all. If we haven't met yet, my name is Chris. I get to serve on the team here. And I'm thrilled that you decided to, to join us this morning as we continue our journey through the Bible. You see, what we've been doing is we've been tracking with the story of God through Scripture and seeing how God wants to intersect our story. And what we've seen so far is that back in the beginning, God created humanity for a relationship with Himself. But everything that God made good, our sin made bad. And the the worst being that our, that re- perfect relationship we were created to experience with God, well, it was broken. It was separated. We now have a disconnection between us and God. But what we've seen since that is that God has a plan. His plan is to redeem, restore, reconcile. And he began to reveal this plan to a guy named Abraham couple thousand years ago. And when God revealed this plan to him, he promised to Abraham that he was going to make Abraham and his wife, Sarah, into a great nation. They didn't have a kid at the time, but God was going to bless them with a kid. And then a whole family was going to come from them, but more than a family, a nation. And God was calling this people to himself, the descendants of Abraham, to have a relationship with him. But it it wasn't just to end there. They were blessed to be a blessing. others. That's what God's plan was. But then God's people, the Israelites, found themselves enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. And over this time, they're just, they were steeped in the Egyptian worldview. Well, what we saw last time is that God freed his people from Egyptian slavery, and he was leading them to the promised land. But in this time, Having been steeped in the Egyptian worldview for so long, God's people had no idea what it looked like to have a relationship with God. Not a clue. You see, they were in desperate need of a DTR. You might be like, a DT what? DTR. I'll just illustrate it for you this way. So when I showed up on the campus of Colorado Christian University, I was single and ready to mingle. And... First week, I met a cute girl, and we decided to go for a run at Red Rocks together. So we get in the car, we get out of the car at Red Rocks, and before I can even close my car door, she took off sprinting. I'm like, I am not going to get beat by a girl, let alone a girl I want to impress. I I, I had come to this run thinking, this is going to be a pretty light jog, like I ran high school cross country, did pretty well my senior year, like... This is a good opportunity to impress her. Well, here she is. She's taking off. So I take off after her. And we're running, running, running. We finally get to the top of the amphitheater where we pause. And we we just take in the view. And then I I look over at her with my hands on my knees, huffing and puffing. And I say, what was that? She's like, what was what? Like, why'd you take off sprinting like that? Now, in fairness to me, okay, The air's a little thinner here than sea level, where I came from. And she's like, oh, I I just thought we were going to go for a run. We never ran together again. (laughs) 
But we did have a lot of meals in the calf. We went to homecoming together, and then we went on a lot of, a lot of walks, tons of walks, much better pace for me. And on one of those walks, we were walking by Alameda Avenue through a dirt parking lot when I just turned to her and I say, so people are asking about us and I'm wondering what I should tell them. Okay, let me just pause for a second. Let me give you some free dating advice if you're still single. Guys, pick a more romantic spot than a dirt parking lot next to a busy road. And two, just go for it. Ask her out. Don't passively put it on her like I did. And that's just free advice from a guy who blew it when it was time for a DTR. Because that's just it. A DTR is when you define the relationship. And what I've found since is that in relationships, certainly significant relationships, there are times where you need to have a conversation. You need to define the relationship so that people know what's expected of them. How do you relate with one another? What are the expectations for this? It's, it's an important step in certain relationships, not just dating relationships, but others as well. And it's that kind of a conversation that Israel was in need of. Not a, not a dating relationship conversation, but a, they needed their relationship defined by God for them because they had no idea what it looked like to relate with God. Now, have you ever thought, like, as the people of God, what does it mean to relate with God? Like, we talk about having a relationship with God all the time. What does that actually entail? Like, what's expected of us if we're the people of God? That's what we're going to see today, because at this moment in Israel's history, they needed a DTR, and God met them in that moment, and he very clearly communicated to them, hey, this is what it's going to look like for us to relate to one another. So if you got a Bible, why don't you turn with me to Exodus chapter 19 and 20, where we're going to follow along. You can also follow along and take notes in our church app as well. Now, for those of you who are like me and you have a relationship with God and you would say, yeah, I'm like part of the people of God. The cool thing about today is you're going to see how God expects us to relate with him and with others based on that relationship. But maybe you're here and you're like, I don't know if I have a relationship with God that's kind of intriguing, but you're just kind of exploring. You're curious. You're wondering, like, what would that even look like? Well, you came on a great day because today you're going to get to hear on the front end what God expects of his people, because maybe your experience with his people hasn't always aligned with what God would expect of his people. But before we get into any of that, let's do this. Let's pause. Let's pray. And let's ask that God just be the one who speaks to all of us now. Lord, we come before you eager to hear from you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the promise that you will speak to us every time we open your word. And we'd ask that you would do that right now. That as we look at how you defined the relationship with Israel, you would bring clarity to our relationship with you and how we can better relate with you and others. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So three months prior to the account we're about to read, God had freed the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. We covered that. But what happened over this three-month period was God kept showing up in the Israelites' lives daily. He provided for them food miraculously from heaven. He also provided water in supernatural ways. God was showing his people like, look, I'm the one who's going to lead you. I'm the one who's going to guide you. I'm the one who's going to provide for you. And having established a relationship with his people, 
he now has to clarify what he expects of his people. So we're going to pick up Exodus 19, verses 3 through 6 to start. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you're to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession." Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So through Moses, God was reminding Israel of what he had done. He had freed his people from Egypt. He had called a people to himself. They were supposed to be distinct and different from the other nations. And he was instructing them to obey him, to follow what he says. Again, God said it this way, beginning of verse 6, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Kingdom of priests, holy nation. That's pretty religious language, isn't it? What does that mean? We'll start with kingdom of priests. Priests serve two functions, okay? The first function a priest serves is representing a holy God to a sinful people. And the second function a priest serves is representing a sinful people to a holy God. So, holy God to sinful people, God's vision, his purpose for his people was that they would be, as a nation, they would represent him to those who don't know him. God promised this to Abraham. Look, he's going to bless him to be a blessing. But that's not it. We've also got that priests are supposed to represent a sinful people to a holy God. And God's purpose for his people also includes this. You see, the, the people of Israel were actually supposed to pray on behalf of the nations around them. A crazy idea. Typically, you look at nations around you back then, you're like, they're enemies. But here, God's people is supposed to be praying for others. Two functions that God's people are supposed to serve because they're a kingdom of priests. But that's just the kingdom of priests portion. What about a holy nation? Holy, well, another word for that would be to, to set apart. That's what that word really means, to set apart. Let me illustrate it this way. Growing up, my mom had some fine china. And it lived far away from the rest of the everyday dishware. And it lived in a china cabinet in our dining room. And we would only ever see said fine china on special occasions like Christmas and Easter, as if it were more holy or something. As fine china is to everyday dishware, Israel was to be to the rest of the nations. They're different. They're distinct. They're set apart. God's got a special purpose for them. Now, make no doubt about it. God loves everyone. He loves everyone, and God wants a relationship with everyone, each person. And God's plan to extend his love to all people is through his people. That's why as a church, our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. And it's why as the people of God, we should go and love the one who's far from God because God is for them. He is for every one. Now, today, what that could look like is praying for one. Yes, like the sign over here, but let me tell you how that looks for me on a daily basis. 
after I read my Bible and I pray each morning, what I'll do is I'll close my time you know, with the Lord and I'll ask him the same prayer every day. I say, God, will you please give me one person to share your love with? Just give me one person to share your love with. And here's a couple of ways that he's just answered that prayer this week. Because our God doesn't just invite us to pray, he also responds, which is crazy. And here's how he did for me this week. So I prayed that prayer on Monday. God, please give me one person to share your love with. A couple hours later, I went to the gym and decided to play pickleball. So I'm playing pickleball, I show up, and there's a gal there who I've met before, her name's Victoria, and she's just like, hey Chris, how you doing? How was your week? I'm like, it was good, how was your week? And she said, hanging in there. And I had a decision to make, because not everyone responds hanging in there. I'm like, I prayed that this morning, this could be the moment. Tell me more, Victoria. Well, she went on to share how she had had a rough week relationally. And that it was tough as a gal in her 50s in the dating scene. And, and I just listened. That's all I did is I just listened. And then before I left, she said, hey, thanks for asking how I was doing. I was like, thanks, God. Like, thanks for giving me a moment just to listen and to love through listening. I prayed that prayer again on Wednesday, and God did kind of a similar thing. I showed up. I was going to play pickleball this time, too. And apparently you got to play pickleball, you know, for me, for God to show up. And uh, this time I'm playing with a guy I met about my age and he, I'd met him a couple times. Well, he just starts to open up to me, like, and share all kinds of stuff, stuff that he's, he's like, I don't normally talk to people about these things, losses that he's experienced in his life, how he walked away from Mormonism 10 years ago, what he's currently going through, just a, a really hard relational situation. And again, I, I walked away from that experience and I thought, you know what? I think that was the best ministry I did all week. And all I did was I prayed and then I listened. Do you guys think you could do that? Like, would you be willing with me to pray this simple prayer? God, would you give me one person to share your love with today? And just see what God does with it. Because when we pray, God loves to answer that prayer. He loves it when his people extend his love. That's his plan. His plan is that all people would feel his love through his people, through us. Now, we don't do this to like earn something or to achieve good standing with God. No, no, we just do this because it's who we are. We're the people of God. And as the people of God, we're God's plan A to love all people. And we, we do this out of what God has first done for us. You see, before God called his people to be a kingdom of priests in a holy nation, he reminded them of what he had done. He freed them from slavery in Egypt. And now before we jump in to Exodus 20, where God gives the 10 commandments, it starts, well, let's just read it together. It doesn't start with rules. Watch this, Exodus 20 verses one and two. And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, the land of slavery. Before God instructed his people to, to do anything, God reminded his people of what he had done. He started with the relationship. He started with, with the freedom that he's given his people. And in case you've forgotten what God's done for us, God has freed us as well. He freed us not from slavery in Egypt, but from slavery to our sin. We don't have to be stuck in that pattern anymore. We don't have to live that lifestyle. We don't have to be slaved to that addiction. God has offered us freedom 
through Jesus' death on the cross. And it's in light of God's grace that God's people should live a certain way. And here's how we, as the people of God, should live. Verse three and following. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, your male or female servant, nor your animals or any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. And number 10, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Ten Commandments. You know, when the Ten Commandments are taught, I've heard them taught as if like you need to obey these rules to earn a relationship with God. But I've also heard it said that rules without a relationship lead to rebellion. It's true. Rules without a relationship lead to rebellion. But these rules that God has given us shouldn't lead to our rebellion because when they're taught, in, as they, at least they were taught to the Israelites, they're taught in the context of a relationship. God freed his people. And as his people, they're, we, them, we're supposed to live a certain way. We actually, we want to do these things because of who we are. We're God's people. This is, this is a little different. Some of us, remember from Sunday school, we might be able to get some of the Ten Commandments down, but we were kind of under the impression that this is what I've got to do to please God and like appease him and make him love me. But that's not how God started. He started with love. He started by freeing his people, reminding them of his grace, and then saying, hey, here's how you should live now because it's best for you and it's best for others. Like others who you represent me to, they're gonna experience me when you live this way. 10 Commandments. Well, you actually got to note, there's actually more than just 10 rules that God gave his people. In the Old Testament, there are 613 laws that he gave his people to live by. So kind of what I was thinking is we could just take the next couple of hours, we could slowly work our way. Just kidding. Lunch is coming. But let's do this. Let's take a look at the Ten Commandments because they're really a pretty good overarching picture of what it would look like as God's people to relate with him and to relate with others in a way that honors God and honors others. So the first four, 
The first four focus on one's relationship with God, and here they are. You shall have no other gods. You shall not make yourself an idol. You shall not misuse the, uh, God's name, and you shall remember the Sabbath. I'm going to summarize these this way. As the people of God, we should love God. That's what we should do. We should have no other gods because God is the one true God. We shouldn't have idols because we worship God and we worship him alone. God doesn't want us to, to make a representation of him because he created us to represent him. We talked about that in week one of the series when we looked at Genesis 1. We're God's representatives and others should experience his love through us. We shouldn't make promises in God's name and we shouldn't flippantly use his name shouting, oh my, when we're surprised or we stub our toe. Oh, no, no, no. We are the people of God, so we honor God with our words. He is holy, he is righteous, he is pure, and he is worthy of all the praise. We also honor the Sabbath. And when we honor the Sabbath and we don't work on that day, we're demonstrating that we trust God's in control. We're not as important as we think we are. And God's got it, he's gonna provide, he's gonna care for us. So as the people of God, we should love God in the way that we live our lives. And as the people of God, we should love people. As revealed in the remaining six commandments, the fifth being honor your father and mother. Just gotta tell you, as a parent, I love this one now. Six, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not lie, you shall not covet. Here's what we learn. We learn that God loves people. So as his people, we should love people. We should treat them well. We should be loving towards them. That's why we don't kill an innocent person. And you're like, check. And congratulations. But as we continue to run down this list, checking them off gets harder. I mean, great, you haven't killed anyone, but like sex outside of marriage, that's a sensitive one. Not stealing, like not even using a friend's Netflix or Amazon Prime account. Uh, not lying, like even to a client to secure the deal or to your boss to look good. We're not supposed to lie. Not coveting. It's like, well, I, I was a bit envious of their forerunner this week. Or for you, maybe it was her purse. As we run down the list, it's harder to kind of check them off. What we see is we don't measure up to God's standard. We're not good enough for God. And God knows this. He knows this. And that's why he sent Jesus to follow through where we fall short. Some think that Jesus came to set aside the law, to dismiss it completely. Like, no, this is, I'm doing something. And that, that's, that's like, that's old news. But here's what Jesus actually taught. This is from Matthew 5, 7. He says, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus didn't dismiss the law. Jesus displayed a life well lived under the law. While we sin, while we fall short, Jesus never sinned. He lived a perfect life. Which means when he died, he wasn't paying the price for his sin. He didn't have any. That enabled him to pay the price for your sin and my sin. And this is really good news for us. And the, the author of Hebrews tells us why. 
This is from Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus knows what it's like to be tempted to sin. I don't know if you saw the ads in the Super Bowl or you've seen them around, but he gets us. He understands what it's like. And yet his death didn't pay the price for his sin, he paid the price for ours. Now, through Jesus, we have a great high priest who represents us sinful people to our holy God. He intercedes for us. And now we don't have to go before the throne of God fearfully like we're scared that he's going to wipe us out. No, we don't have to. We can approach it confidently because we've seen God's grace. We've seen his mercy extended to us in the person of Jesus. And now as the people of God, that's what Jesus makes us. He makes us the people of God. Think about that. We are now God's people, sons and daughters of the King. Now, as his people, how do we relate with God and others? Well, Jesus simplified some things for us. Didn't dismiss, but he simplified. And here's how he simplified it in Matthew 22. Jesus, when asked about the law and what's most important, he said this. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Again, Jesus did not abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. And here, what we see is that while the religious want to kind of hone in on the nitty-gritty and, and talk through the minor points and things, Jesus just boils it down to what's, what matters most, the essential ingredient love and as the people of god we should love god with all that we are and as the people of god we should love others as we love ourselves. for jesus love is the bullseye that's what we're shooting for now an acronym that i find helpful when i think about loving the one far from god because that's the ultimate expression of the overflow of love that one who doesn't yet know God, that we're supposed to represent him to. How do we love them? Here's an acronym that I just find helpful. The acronym is BLESS. I've taught this before, but I'll, real quick, in case you haven't heard it, here it is. B stands for begin with prayer. Prayer invites us to have our hearts shifted into what God really is thinking about, caring about, and what matters to him. Prayer changes our perspective. That's why we pray for one because it, it opens our eyes to the one who doesn't yet know Jesus and God's love for them and how he wants to express his love to them through us. That's B, begin with prayer. L, listen. People love to talk. I don't know if you've noticed this. People love to talk especially about themselves. So how about we love them by listening to them? L, listen. E, eat. When you eat with someone, it's more than just sharing food. You're accepting them. You're connecting with them. S, 
serve. If you look at Jesus's ministry, Jesus would often demonstrate God's love through actions before sharing of God's love with his words. We'd be wise to follow suit. And then the final S, share. When the moment comes, joyfully share the hope that you have in Jesus. He's changed your life and he can change theirs. So bless, begin with prayer, listen, eat, serve, share. It's not the only way to love someone, but it's a good place to start. And it helps me think about how God might invite me to share his love with someone each day. This week, I got to listen to a couple people as I shared. Who knows what this coming week's gonna hold? The religious wanna make it all about the law and following the letter of the law. And what you do is, is really your worth, your value. But rules without a relationship lead to rebellion. For Jesus, he reveals to us that it's all about relationship. He's in many ways echoing what God said to his people back in Exodus, starting with relationship and then saying, this is how you live. And I'll, I'll summarize it all this way for us today. As God's people, love God and love people. So people far from God feel God's love. God called his people, the nation of Israel, to be a kingdom of priests in a holy nation. And they were to live this way and to follow the Ten Commandments, etc., because of God's grace expressed to them. God had, had freed them. He had graciously loved them. And now he was calling them to love others. Similarly, God has invited us into a relationship with him through Jesus who freed us from our sin. And now, because of God's grace expressed to us, we should express love to others. That's what we're called to in this relationship with God. 1 Peter 2 says this way better than I ever could. There, Peter writes this, but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now, now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Jesus has changed us. And now we are to live as priests, a holy nation. We are to carry on what Israel failed to do. We'll see this in the weeks ahead. Israel struggled to, up, to uphold their side of the relationship, and yet God never forgets his people. He invites his people into that relationship time and time again by his grace. In his hope, his expectation is that as his people, we will love. And when we love, especially when we love that one who's so far from God, when we love that person, what we believe is that they're going to experience God's love in such a compelling way, they're going to want to follow Jesus too. That's why every week we pray for one. It's very, very intentional. And more than just praying for one, this week, I challenge you as your pastor, go bless someone. Just see how God could use you to extend his love this week. Could be at Starbucks, could be at the gym, the office, at home. I don't know where it's gonna be,
But man, when you live with an expectancy that God's going to answer and he's going to give you an opportunity to do something meaningful that day, it's pretty exciting. So as the people of God, let's love God with all that we are and let's love others as we love ourselves, especially the one who's far from God. Let me pray for us. Lord, would you help us to this end? Because left to our own devices, we're selfish. Um, we still gravitate to sin and we would ask that you would just make us more aware of your love, your love for us, your love for others, and how we could express your love to others. Open our eyes. Give us the courage, the boldness to love well. And we trust you to do whatever you want to do in those moments. But here we come before you and say we are willing. Thank you for the relationship we have with you. Thank you that it's not based on anything we do, but based on what you've done. And we celebrate that. In Jesus' name, amen.